we are continuing our study uh, on things that are twisted in, in, uh, in God's word, uh, mis misquoting scripture, misunderstanding ideas that come outside of scripture and, and presuming that it comes from God. And so we look this morning at, with, to the idea of uh, to thine own self be true. Uh, we, uh, we look at this and the, the actual quote is, this is above all, to thine own self be true, and it must, be, it must follow as night follows the day. We look at this verse, and this, this verse has a number of people, uh, people have a number of different ideas as to exactly how to apply this and what this really means. Uh, this, is a, this is a dialogue between father to son, and do you know where this verse comes from? It comes from, uh, from uh, I can't even talk, Shakespeare. It comes, the book chapter and verse is Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 3, verse 565. This is not in the Bible at all, and yet we find that people use this verse and they quote this verse constantly. This is an important, uh, important topic for us to talk about. It's important for us to understand where this comes from and the ramifications of what this, uh, what this really means. Uh, Polonius, who's the father, uh, is, uh, while we, today we hear people talking about this as if it was some incredibly valuable thing, and yet, number one, Shakespeare didn't say this. Number two, he had one of his characters, Polonius, speaking, and Polonius, the father, is a blowhard who's ironically thinking that he's pretending that he's offering something really, really valuable, but he just says a bunch of stuff that everybody seems to know. And so there's nothing about this uh, this character that says he's somebody that, we're, that he's espousing some great knowledge. He's, a, he's someone that Shakespeare is using as a comical figure in, in, this, in this, um, this uh, act. And so we look at this, and uh, in the same area, we have, uh, we have some truisms. He also says to his son, uh, neither a borrower or a lender be. Well, that's fine, but I don't think that that's new knowledge of e either. Uh, because his son and people like that didn't typically have money uh, to lend, and uh, it wasn't their money if, if, they were, uh, if they were to lend it out. Let's, let's clarify a few things. Um, what does this mean? And, and as I said, this is debated fairly widely uh, about exactly how to interpret what this is. And so for purposes this morning, uh, we're going to say that, that nothing matters more than what we choose to be important. In other words, he's telling his son, uh, you, you, pick, you figure out what's important to you, and you don't let people sway your thinking. You don't let other people influence you. You don't uh, allow anything to, to displace um, what, you're, um, what you believe to be important. Uh, if we look at uh, a definition, for, again, for this morning's sake, uh, there's a number of different definitions, but we're going to use being true to someone, since we're really talking about uh, someone's being true to, to themselves or to other people, and using this as true to someone, we're going to use the definition of devoted to the exclusion of others. So if I'm true to myself, that means I am uh, that I'm devoted to self to the exclusion of others. So that's the, that's the definition that we're going to be using this morning on being true. And then the, 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 um, the last would be the implications of this. Uh, this is just to let this sets out the groundwork. But the, to self be true, uh, to take care of yourself first, me first, um, 
anything else that isn't me gets the leftovers. So it doesn't, this is not something that uh, everything is, revolves around me. This is something that's not uh, open. This is not open for discussion about how valuable something is. This is a mindset that says uh, it's all about me. And that's where the thinking uh, resides. A logical outcome of this philosophy, we, we look at this and we see that there's a story that we're familiar with about an arrogant young man who decides that, uh, he's very selfish, and he decides that he presumes that there is inheritance coming to him. And so he goes to his father, while his father is healthy and, from what we can tell, not on his deathbed, and demands his inheritance. So for some reason, the father gives him his inheritance, and he goes off to another country, and he wildly uh, has riotous living, he parties, until absolutely nothing is left. All of the friends that he had while he was paying for everything uh, miraculously disappeared when he stopped paying for things. He doesn't have any place to live. He doesn't have anything to eat. So he finds himself uh, dumping garbage for the pigs to eat, and he starts picking things out of the garbage because he doesn't have anything to eat. And so he comes to himself and says, you know, if I were to go home, uh, my dad's house, uh, at least the servants get to eat. And so in this, in this illustration, or in this story, uh, it's interesting, and we'll point out that he's very selfish, he's very self-centered, he's very self-absorbed, and we sometimes think that, oh, well, he fixed that. No, if we listen to what he said is, I will go back to my father's house where I can get some food. He didn't say, I need to go back and, make, and restore things with my father. He didn't say, I have sinned. He says, I'm, this is a, another way to solve my problem. And so we look at this idea of a logical uh, thing of this philosophy, uh, this mindset, uh, we see that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Even if I know the right thing to do or a good thing to do, it doesn't matter. It's what I, it's what I choose to do that's important. I know that it's wrong to rob banks, but I'm just going to go rob a bank anyway. That's the idea. It's not that we're ignorant uh, of something when we have this idea. It's that we choose to ignore other, other people, other things, other influences, or even what we think would be the right thing to do because it's what we want to do. So we live life on our own terms uh, and, and nobody else's. Nobody's going to tell us what to do. Nobody's going to tell us uh, how we should live. Um, this is who I am. I'm just being true to myself. I'm just being devoted to myself to the exclusion of all others. So this phrase, I'm, I'm going I'm to insert this phrase so that we, maybe when we leave here, we'll, we'll maybe have a little bit of that stuck in our, in our brain about what we, when we hear this, we, we should recognize it for what it really is. In other words, it's saying, don't tell me what to do. Okay? I'm my boss. I'm the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. And it's an arrogant, selfish position, but it's one that, that we see and hear everywhere. Uh, my truth versus your truth. Uh, I asked Christopher ahead of time if I could tell the story. I was going to do it anyway, but I asked him. Um, <laughs> When he was in fifth or sixth grade, he, got a, he came home with a note from the teacher that he had been misbehaving and that he, um, uh, that he was uh, acting up in class and not sitting still and those kinds of things, which uh, those, those, those times for, for his, in his life were, for all of us, were the best of times and the worst of times. Uh, and so he, he came home with some, with some notes um, fairly often during those few years. And so we began to figure out, ask him what it was that was going on. And he said, well, uh, he, and he said, uh, Miss Winningham? Miss Winningham uh, was up on the overhead projector, and some of y'all don't know what that is, but just pretend it's an overhead, it's a screen. Um, but 
on that you'd have a, a bright light and you put it over or you put a, a slide uh, on there and it would project up onto the onto the the screen or on the wall apparently according to christopher she has, has a new engagement ring and that engagement ring when the light hit it just right was like a laser that hit him in the eye and he had to just turn around and do like this and and, and exclaimed all kinds of things and that was the explanation that the uh, this rock was so uh so big and so impressive that the light took it and just completely blinded him and so he was turning away we late and we, we didn't of course we didn't we didn't buy that uh and we, we tried the um we, we tried the idea of saying now i want you to imagine that there's a camera that's recording all of this and i want you to tell me what uh what we would actually see not your perspective but what we actually see if we were in, you know somebody else would tell us what would happen it, the laser in the eye, the whole thing. That's what, that's what was, that was his truth. We met Ms. Winningham almost about a year later, and we, uh, we, when we, we said, we got to talk to you, we got to meet you. And it turned out that her, this, this incredible rock was about this big, and it uh, almost non-existent. It was a very, very tiny engagement ring. And uh, that is an example of his truth, and he stuck to it. That was, that was his truth, and he isn't going to give up. And then there was Ms. Winningham's version of the story, that's her truth. And so we look at that and we see that, I, I use this longer explanation because I think it's important that we understand that this is according to the Urban Dictionary, often this uh, convenient phrase for avoiding arguments because people can contradict your opinion but not your truth. Phrase is often used when seeking to justify a controversial personal stance or action because people are not allowed to argue with your truth. There is no single truth. There is nothing that specifically says that in the end there is a single truth. Uh, therefore, just about anything, no matter how wild, bizarre, disturbing, unphilosophical, or even dangerous and harmful, can become your truth. And so it's important as we look at this to say there's almost no boundary as to what this is, what this is going to mean. And so as we look at this, it's, it's, it's far-reaching. And the more we begin to see this, in our lives today, it's not just simply a new phrase that pops up and we're thinking, what is that? What is that? Uh, it's, it's about, uh, it's so pervasive, and, and as we continue on, we're going to see how meaningful it actually is. Um, it, in, in areas of religious things, we hear this, um, this uh, spoken that says, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. In other words, this is, people who are Christians say this. People who believe this uh, even in their religious life and a relationship with God, as whatever it might be, this is something that we hear people saying because this idea of how, how people live their lives is such that they believe this is to be the, this applies also in areas of religion. Um, this is God's truth. Uh, there, are, um, uh, there are many instances where we see that God is very specific in what he says and he's, and he's unwavering. There's some areas where he, he doesn't, uh, he's not quite as specific. But if we look at this and we see that there is a, there is a way, and this is, this is out of Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to man, and yet at the end of the way is death. We may think that this pathway, we figure this out, and to us it makes a lot of sense. Going down this road, going down this path is going to be great. And we can see at the end of it this is going to be perfect, and what we don't see is that there's a cliff that we're going to fall off. We don't see it. We don't know that that's there. God knows it's there. But our rationalizing, didn't, we didn't pick that up. We didn't realize that. Um, and so we, we hear God talking to us in, in, um, uh, in 
can't read my, my script, uh, in Elisha, where he says, uh, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. For as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Don't think that because you think it that God thinks that. Don't presume that we think the way that God does and we have it all figured out. Don't think that because we do something a certain way that God is going to do it that way. He goes on to say, as, as, as high as the, as the heavens are from earth, that's how much difference there is between what you think and what your ways are versus mine. And so I got to thinking about that and I thought, well, the heavens, I don't believe that's where the clouds are. I think this is the celestial heavens that he's talking about. And uh, I, I looked at it, looked it up right quick, and the, uh, the sun is 93 million miles away. It takes 500 seconds for light to get there. And the reason I, I word it that way is the next stars besides the sun are between four and a half and 20 million light years. A light year is the equivalent of 230 mil, 233 million times around the Earth. So that multiply that times 20, and you'll get a sense for how, how many trillions and trillions of years this is. Whichever one of those things we want to use as a description, even if it is just the clouds, don't confuse that, the, that we're even close to each other. Don't presume that we can outthink God or we can outguess God, or don't think that because we're going to do things a certain way that that that's the way God wants it done, or that's the way God will do it. There are many paths to God. We hear people uh, say this all along. People will say, well, there's, you know, being a Christian, there's a lot of different ways you can be a Christian, uh, but it's just as good if you're, if you're a Jew, or if you're a Muslim, or if you're a, a Hindu, or if you're a, a Buddhist. Depending on all of those things, they all, all those paths lead together. They all are going to take us to God. So what difference does it make? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, let's, sometimes articles in, in a sentence make a difference. He doesn't say, I am a way, I am, the, I am a truth, and I am one of the ways that you can live. He says, I am the path, I am the truth, I am the, um, I, I am, I am the way. So we look at this and we see that God does not believe that at all. In fact, he states to the opposite. Uh, when we look at this and say, if we can be true to ourselves and to God, is it possible to be true to God? Is it possible to be devoted to God to the exclusion of all others? And also be devoted to ourselves to the exclusion of all others? Well, regardless of what that means, the logic says you can't be exclusive to all others for two different things. So you have to, we have to decide, is it something that we're going to be, that we're going to adhere to God, or is it something we're going to adhere to ourself as being in control or the master? You cannot serve two masters. This is, a, this is something that, that Jesus says, but it's, it's also something that's true. He says because, it's true in general, because it says that you will love one master and hate the other, which that means something different to us. You're going to pick one of the masters that you really want to pay, pay attention to. And, you're going to, and the other one's going to take second, is going to play second. No matter what you do, that's what's going to happen if you try to serve two masters. So you cannot serve two masters of God and self. Uh, this is an important verse because it gives us some context. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, 
ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, all of those things they do rather than lovers of God. In the last days, this is, this is, a, a, this is an indictment to, that people are, what happens to people when they do not put God first? They love other things. These, these are the masters that they truly serve. And so not only do these people, uh, not only are they, um, do they choose to love something other than God and give it preeminence, uh, they put on a shell, you know, they say, they say that uh, beauty is skin deep. Well, in this case, this superficial idea that they pretend to be godly, but underneath it all, they don't think that God has any power over them. They don't think that there's anything at all that, that would compel them to be different. So when he says, holding to a form of godliness, while they deny its power, that's what that means. That they, they are fully giving in to the things that are listed here, the priorities in those people's lives, opposed to God being the priority for them. Do not be conformed to this world. We've heard this. I remember back when uh, Lonnie and I were, I would say dating, but we really didn't date. We just hung out and got married. But um, truly, we got, our first date was the night before we, we got married, uh, the first formal date. Uh, we, um, I decided that what I was going to do, first of all, I made Lonnie a, um, a wooden heart, and I'd sanded it and made it, shaped it all up, and it was really nice. And, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to do better than that. Uh, I decided I was going to make her some jewelry, and it was going to be, uh, it would be a heart that's made out of gold. And uh, so I took some wax, and I formed it to exactly what I wanted it to be. It was nice and shiny, and it was, it, I call it a puffed heart. I don't know what the right term of it was, but it was, it was thick, and it was rounded. And uh, I took that wax, and I mixed up some, uh, put it in a, in a mold, and I mixed up some, some stuff that's like plaster. And I cooked it. You cook it at real, real high heat until the wax melts the wax disappears. And so you'd have a cavity where that wax was. And then you inject gold into that and it fills that cavity up. And then you break the plaster and then you have the gold. You have the gold heart. That's a mold. And the idea of, of being conformed is like being pressed into a mold. And being pressed into a mold so that you resemble exactly what it was that you were pressed into. It says don't do that. Don't be pressed into a mold and don't be almost indistinguishable from those people in the, of the world. Don't do that. Instead, and by the way, I couldn't find a, a gold heart, so I used a different mold that we can see. And this is uh, the form of an apple, but it's also, if you, if you notice, uh, right up, well, can't get it to do it. Right up at the very top, you'll see a little bit of a groove, and that's where the, that's where the material is injected into the mold. So this idea of, um, of do not be pressed into a mold, do not follow after the world. Instead, be transformed. Transformed, the word behind, underneath that is metamorphosis. That's what that word basically means. So I, that's why the picture of the, um, of the caterpillar who drastically changes from one thing into something totally different, into a butterfly, that's the same idea. That's the same word that, 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 we, uh, that we're using here. So be transformed, be such that spiritually we are going to be so different that we may discern what is the will of God. We will understand what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we're worldly and are thinking world in worldly thoughts, then we're not going to really understand God's will. 
We don't have a perspective that says we're open to understanding God's will. And we don't really understand or appreciate those things which are good and righteous and perfect. But if we're transformed, then we are, we're now a new man spiritually. And that new man spiritually is in a position to appreciate and understand the perspective of what God's will is because we pursue it, because we look for it, and we understand then that it's defined for us. God wants me to achieve my dream. God wants me to achieve my life goal. And the reason I bring this up is because there actually are people, I, I don't know how many examples of this I ran across when I was preparing for this lesson. People saying, look, give yourself to Christ, share your dream with him, and he will help you realize it. I had never heard that before. That's because it's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't ever talk about your life goals. The Bible doesn't talk about your dreams. The only dreams we're talking about in the Bible that we see are dreams that maybe God uses a way to, to talk to people, uh, and it's, it's a specific type of a dream. So, but, so this is something that we need to understand that when we hear that, for, for this morning, we're just going to understand that that's just an extension of our self, selfishness. Um, the Bible te tells us that if we're going to pursue anything rather than dreams, it's pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. These are characteristics. These are the character traits of someone who's godly. These are, the, these are the things that somebody will look at and that will pursue to try to gain this in their life and become to have these qualities uh, in their life. When a dream becomes an extension of ourself, when the dream becomes something that, um, that now becomes so important that everything else is, is secondary to that, then we have statements like, I have a dream that I will fulfill and nothing else will distract me from the path. If you listen to people who are accepting awards and they'll say, I had this dream, you know, it took me so long to get here, everybody pursue your own dreams, just pursue it until you get it, you sacrifice everything you can to get there, but then, you get, then you'll achieve your dream. That's an idea that is very prevalent in today's world. The idea of being happy, you were born that way, uh, is also something that's, that's, very, um, that's very prevalent. The idea here is, is that don't take responsibility for your choices. Uh, don't, take, um, don't feel bad at all about what, just, just be yourself and don't let, again, this is the same idea as to thine own self be true. Just be the way that, you, that you're going to be. Anyone who criticizes you is just a bigot or they're being judgmental. If you're just who you are, this is, this is one of the major things also, Michael and I were talking about this earlier, earlier last week, that there, not only is there something that's, that's, there's no specific right that's all relevant or relative, but there's also this idea of tolerance. We're supposed to tolerate everything. In and of itself, that sounds good. At least it sounds reasonable to a certain degree that we're not, uh, we're not out having wars over this, but the tolerance that, that people are asking for is a one-way set of tolerance. I can say anything I want to say, I can do anything I want to do, any way that I want to do it, but you're not allowed to have an opinion about it. You're supposed to accept it, not just, just, just uh, allow it or say it, that's your business, but instead, this is something where we're saying, uh, no, you have to accept this. You have to believe this and you have to, to say that what I'm doing is right. That idea of, is not tolerance, uh, but that's an idea that says, uh, you know, God made you and you're perfect. You're just the way you should be. So you should be who you are naturally. Just, just be yourself. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Just, just go with the flow as to who you are. You can be happy and you can be honest with yourself and be wrong. 
we hear people on a regular basis talking about uh, they, their homosexual is an example and they, they come out and tell everybody, uh, they come to terms with themselves that they're homosexual and, and in the process of telling everybody and sort of owning that, uh, that, um, uh, that condition, that situation, they f talk about how happy they are and how finally this burden's off of my, off of my shoulders. I can just be myself. I'm so happy and, and people have parties for them. Oh, we have a coming, out, coming out party, which didn't used to mean that. Um, but have, a, uh, have an idea of saying, this makes me happy. Great, it makes you happy. It's wrong. You'll go to hell over it, but I'm glad it makes you happy. Uh, we, we look at the, um, at the idea of saying we should be whatever we are naturally. This idea that's being propagated is saying is, is a lie, and it, it presents a huge danger to, to men and women of the world to think that this is something that's true. This is something that we should uh, adhere to. We should pay attention to. I was born this way, and so I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change at all. That's, again, that's what goes with all of this talking that we hear about. And so it, it, it just doesn't make sense, as my father-in-law used to say, it doesn't even make bad sense. When we look at this and say, if we were, if we were born this way and we never changed, we'd be stupid. Because when we learn things, we change. We look at people who clearly understand this, often some of the same people, and they say, if we want to change people li people's lives, let's educate them. Let's let them to understand what things can, what things, how things are. Just raise their level of education. It opens up their doors of capabilities. It opens their perspective. It gives them some not some myopic, really narrow-looking view of the world. Educate them, and it will change their life. These are the same people who say, I was born this way, don't change. We don't teach our kids to be liars, but somehow they figure out how to do that. And they do that because they figure out if, if I lie, then I don't get in trouble. It takes, doesn't take me very long to figure that out, even as a, young, as a young child. If I lie, I get things that I want. I can see this, I can see this relationship between me lying about something and getting what I want, or avoiding things I don't like. So if we never were to teach our children, if we never were to teach each, teach each other or hold each other accountable to telling the truth, then we would all be liars. There's no reason to tell the truth. There's no reason not to lie, because that's just the way that, that we are. We're born that way. Don't change. Don't let anybody force that on you. Just stay the way you are. Whoops, let me back up. Uh, we, would, um, we would all give in and pursue our lusts, our lust for power, our lust for, uh, for money, for greed, for covetousness, for sexual things, our lust for whatever it might be. What is it that would contain us and hold us back? What is it that would, that would constrain us in some way to not go after those things which we desire earnestly? It's something that's just in us that says, this is something that I want. Why would it? If I'm born that way, I'm in the world, uh, I am, um, I'm going to, to, to go after those things because this is just the way I was born. So don't, don't, don't tell me about laws. Don't tell me I can't do that because this is, what I, this is who I am. I'm a bank robber. Don't, I, I, I don't care if it's against the law. It's just what I do. It's just who I am. Jesus says differently than that. He says, truly, I say to you, unless you're, one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. 
being born again, this is that same again idea of transformation. But instead of being who you are as a fleshly person, someone in this world, you have to change. And when he said this, the person he was talking to said, how could I, am I supposed, how's that going to work? Am I supposed to enter the womb again? And he said, no, he explained to him, this is a spiritual rebirth. This is something that says you are no longer going to, going to run your life by things that are done in this world. What's going to happen is you're now going to be spiritual. You're now going to be driven by the spirit. You're now going to do things on this, because of spiritual reasons. And that's, to, to do that is how you see the kingdom of God. You do that because it's required. You do that because God said so. And if you don't do that, you die in your sins. Now, you may, you may hear some people say that that's your truth. When I was, I was in junior high, I remember that we had a group of us that what we did in our spare time was argue about doctrine. Uh, people from different uh, denominations and different beliefs and different uh, perspectives. And we would talk about things, well, that's your interpretation. Well, this is, this is my interpretation. And, we were, and I would come back and say, no, there's no interpretation. There's a misinterpretation that you're, either you're wrong, I could be wrong, and neither one of us are right, but that doesn't change what right is. Just because it's an interpretation, no, it's a misinterpretation. This idea of us having our own truth when it comes to understanding the Bible, we can have our opinion and we can have our position on anything, but it doesn't make it true. And if it isn't true, then we are going to die in our sins. God, God would not want me or make me deny myself, but Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is not simply a matter of behaving a certain way. This is not simply a matter of saying, with some sort of a mental uh, ascent that says, yeah, Christ is my master, Christ is my Lord, uh, and just leave it as a kind of a superficial aspect. This demands everything. This says if you're trying to preserve your life, if you're trying to preserve not only your physical life, but if you're trying to preserve the life that you have, you'll lose your life. There's nothing there that will, that will save you. But if you will give up everything about your life, then you will, you will gain life, and that life is, is, um, is a life of spiritual success, spiritual reward. And, uh, and you will find that only through Christ. We, make, we have to make a decision about who we are and who we're going to be. Uh, and even though we may think at times that we're just going to kind of go with the flow, that's a decision. It's a decision to not kick back against something that's causing us. We, we would tell our kids that um, you have to do what's right because it's what's right and what, you, what I expect from you. You can't just say, well, everybody else was doing it. Well, that's fine, but that doesn't give you, the, 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 that doesn't give you a pass. that says you can just do whatever it is because that's a decision that you make to say, I'm going to not do what I know is the right thing to do. I know that this is wrong, and I know my folks are going to get mad at me, but I don't care. What's more important to me, this is the part where we would editorialize and go, I didn't think that. What's more important to me is not important to talk about, to think about what dad says, what mom says. What's more important to me is I want to do what, the, what my friends are doing. And that's a choice. 
That's a decision of priorities. And we, we, we tried to make sure that they understood that all along about this is you making a decision. So we need to decide who we're going to be. Uh, we don't just be, we're not just to be ourselves. You need to decide who, who, um, what you're going to be, who you're going to be. We may make a decision to, um, to be an atheist. Well, then we made that decision. We make a decision to be a Christian. That's who we're going to be. We're going to be a Christian because that's our decision. We have decided, we've taken a position, we've driven a stake in the ground. This is who I'm going to be. Godly people derive their identity and their purpose and their destiny from God. We don't have to spend our time running around trying to find ourselves. We don't have to contemplate our navel. We don't have to figure out all this kind of uh, metaphysical thing to try to figure out who am I? Why am I here? What's going to happen to me? If we serve God, we already know. We know who we are. We're Christ's uh, firstborn. We are the saved. We are brothers in, 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 with Christ. We are saved. We have a purpose, and that's to worship God, that's to, to serve him in everything that we do. We know what, what, where, our, where we end up, what our destiny is. Jesus said that we must love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's no room left. This is loving God with every fiber of our being. There's no room for anything else. There's no room for us to be anything else. We decide if this is what we're going to do. That's what, the that's what that means. So we look at this and see that our fleshly self desires what's contrary to the spirit. Our worldly nature is in conflict with our spiritual nature. They, they, do not, they don't get along at all. And our spirit is, desires those things which are contrary to our, to our flesh, to our worldly self. We, we hear Paul describing that when he says, These are, this is the thing that's happening. My flesh and my spirit are warring in my members. They're warring against each other because uh, I, even though I say this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to be a Christian, I end up doing something else. And the things I say I'm not going to do that, I end up doing it. And so he says this is a war. Who can save me from this battle that I'm in? He says only Christ can do so. So this, the fact that this is a conflict, this is a description of what it's like to be a Christian. It's the struggle against self against the worldly nature we are in this world and we are worldly by our nature and we then go against our worldly nature to become spiritually driven it's important that we understand that because it's not going to just go away we're going to have the same issues and urges and uh, lusts and the things that we want to do but we train ourselves at, over time we get better and better about ignoring those things because it's not the flesh that rules it's the spirit that rules. Decide to be better. Decide to be like Christ. That's the decision. That's the decision that we, that we have all taken. That's the decision that we continue to go after. We have professed that we will be perfect. We have professed to be exactly like Christ. That's our goal. We won't realize that. We will fall short of that objective of being just like Christ. But that is our objective, and we pursue it. We pursue it to be perfect. And then our, the differences are that, that Jesus will make up the difference in his mercy.
but our goal doesn't change, our objective doesn't change, our purpose doesn't change, that we'll fight off everything that we can, everything that we do is against our fleshly inclinations, and everything that we strive for is our spiritual inclinations. We look at, uh, at this quote from, from Joshua, choose today who you'll serve, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We have this hanging around our house a couple of different places. This is a decision that you won't accidentally serve God. You won't accidentally just, whoop, look at there, I guess I serve God. If you, do, if you do a thing that's the right thing to do, if you weren't doing it out of service to God, then you just happen to do a good thing. It, but it isn't out of service to God. It isn't your, it isn't your reason. It's the choice and it's, our, it's who rules our heart. Christ has the right to tell me what to do. He's my master. He's my Lord. And he, has, he, is, he is the one who rules over me. I'm no longer self-ruled. So this idea of to thine own self be true, that, that that's all that really matters, is a direct contradiction to everything that we read in the Bible. I'm using a number of scriptures here because it's not going to be just persuasive ideas that I'm talking about. We hear God revealing his will in, in direct refutation or directly against uh, what we have in this, this, um, this theory, this philosophy about that we, let, we, we were going to serve ourselves no matter what. We, we will never be free from sin in this world. We never will. We will. But we do have the ability of being cleansed and redeemed and made perfect through Christ. We do have the uh, ability to try, but Christ will save us. Christ is the one who broke the bonds of death, broke the bonds of sin, and, sh and showed his superiority to, the, to Satan, who is the father of sin. So let us recognize whether it's a phrase that we hear and we recognize what that really means or whether it's just an idea that we see coming our way and like so many things when we hear so much of this it's surprising when we start taking inventory how much those things may have creeped or crept into our thinking that we begin to have some of those ideas and we really need to recognize that's the root of evil we need to recognize what, what this is and that's why I spend as much time as I am on this and making sure that we understand the origin of this, that it will cost us our soul. It will cost us everything we have if we allow this my truth, your truth, be true, be true to yourself idea, that thinking will cost us everything. So if there's anything we can do to, to, to help you, if there's something that you need to bring to the attention of the church, uh, let us know. If there's something of a private nature that you need help with, then find some, one of us that can help you and let us, let us do that together. Let's stand as we sing.